Roger Edgers, Roger Eagers, Roger, I don't know, how do you say his name? <laughs> My brain uh, just stopped. Robert Robert Eggers. I think that now I forgot what you said. Eggers? <laughs> My brain just yes. can't figure it out. Welcome to Blind Spotters, a movie podcast about the 94th Academy Awards. I'm Zach Pocklip. And I'm Amanda Luberto. And today we're going to preview the Oscars, give our takes and maybe some updates to our best of 2021 lists, answer some mailbag questions, submissions from you, our listeners. Um, but first, Amanda, how are you doing? What you've been watching? I'm doing good. This is one of our first morning recordings. So different yes. energy, but we're feeling good. Um, I've watched a movie that I know you watched recently, too. <laughs> uh, it's fucking deep water time, baby. Deep water exists. It's, it's here. The the reason we got all the Ben Affleck on a day armist memes, lots of content with cutouts and Dunkin' Donuts, and and the movie finally came out, and Ben Affleck is dating someone else. Yes, that all of those things <laughs> are factual statements. Um, I thought the movie was fun. I thought it was. Uh, I described it as basic instincts like but not at the same level. Um, I also described it as uh, like fatal attraction that you can fold your laundry to. (laughs) Like if you like miss like two minutes, like you don't really miss a whole lot depending on which two minutes you miss. I thought it was a fun romp though. Definitely worth checking out. What do you think? I thought the movie was so weird and (laughs) not confusing. It was pretty straightforward, but the whole time I was kind of laughing yeah it's worth watching yeah (laughs) we'll talk about it more next time we like when when there's like a little bit of space i have like some things i want to say but we'll definitely talk about it later but uh the other thing i've been really into is the tv show severance it's the Mm. adam scott tv show on apple tv plus i just don't think enough people are talking about it and like every week i'm like looking for someone to be talking about it and no one really is. Um, I think it's good. I'm having a fun time with it. But um, yeah, Severance is pretty solid. What about you? What else have you been watching? Well, it's March. So March Madness, baby. <laughs> nice. The best time of the year, the NCAA men's and women's tournaments. Um, shout out to St. Peter's for making it into the Sweet 16. Uh, you might be eliminated by now, but great job by you guys. Um, college basketball, great time. I have also watched Deep Water, like we just mentioned. And then I also uh, watched... Pacific Rim, the Guillermo del Toro joint. I I watched it, and even though it's a live-action movie, if you watch it as like a cartoon, everything Idris Elba says in that movie seems like it's fit for the trailer. Mm -hmm. But it's a good time, you know. To fight monsters, we created monsters. So, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, before we get into like our Oscars discussion, um, we've had some time to um, watch a little bit more of the movies from um, the last year so uh just wanted to see if there was any changes since we recorded our favorites of 2021 podcast um with Maya figured this would be a good time since uh the Oscars kind of closed the the door on the quote-unquote film year yeah so I've seen a couple of films from 2021 that I hadn't gotten to when we recorded that episode um some I really liked I wouldn't say any of them necessarily bumped into my top five This will be a recurring statement over the episode, but I still haven't seen two of the uh, Best Picture nominations, Drive My Car or Belfast. I just haven't made it to 
seeing them yet, which is totally my fault. Um, so as of right now, my top five is still the same, but I know you watched some newer movies that like moved all your stuff around. So wh- how did your top five change? Just going through it quickly. My new number one is the worst person in the world. Uh, Licorice Pizza moved on to number two, but still holds strong. It is a movie that is not as problematic as people say. Um, the Souvenir Part 2 is at number three. Uh, come on, come on moves down to number four and then the power of the dog moves down to number five there is like other movies that came in that i really liked um like west side story was fun red rocket was fun but uh those are that's the new number five is there a movie from 2021 that you watched that stood out the most like that was like oh this isn't top five but i really enjoyed it um the only one i can think of is that i finally checked out the last duel and that movie is a lot better than people gave it credit for um And as Maya mentioned on our 2021 movie review podcast, uh, Jodie Comer is so good in that movie. And I hope that this sort of ushers her into uh, movie stardom. She's really good on television. Uh, Killing Eve is in its last season. Really solid show. And I hope that her performance in the last duel, which is like the standout performance in a movie mm-hmm. with Adam driver, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, which is incredible. Um, I hope that people recognize that and sort of like give her more opportunities. So I guess that's the only thing I would say, um, since 2022 that I saw it last year, but I wanted to note your top five, no Dune anymore. Dune is off the list. Dune's like at number six. So it's right there. But um, 5.5. It's in the tier one of 2021. Um, shout out to Jody Comer, though. Um, everyone loves a scouser. Liverpool's taking over the world. You never walk alone. <laughs> you never, ever walk alone. All right. So um, with that, let's just get into our general Oscars takes and, uh, and thoughts. We have a few different categories, and then we'll get into our listener mailbag and suggestions. So um, first thing, Amanda, what is your biggest hope for the 94th Academy Awards? So my number one movie of the year still is true. It was Coda. And it sort of felt like a uh, emotional pick at the time. But now it's like really picking up a lot of steam. We'll definitely talk about it later. But I guess my biggest hope is that it does pull through and win Best Picture. Um, Another big hope that I have is that the movie Flea, which is an animated documentary um, about um, this immigrant and his story, which was really moving. It's a movie I've thought a lot about. The The style of animation was really interesting. The style of documentary telling was really interesting. It's nominated for a few different things. I hope it wins any of them. Like, <laughs> I just think it should be an Oscar winner no matter where it picks up the nomination or no matter where it picks up the win. Mm-hmm. And then um, my biggest, my other big one is that I want Hans Zimmer to win best score. He's been nominated 12 times, only picked up one win, um, which was 1994's The Lion King. Another movie that's great, but he has scored so many movies and hasn't picked up a win in 20-something years. It's time. Hans Zimmer needs to win best score. (laughs) That's, That's my hope. I feel like it's going to happen. I mean, he literally invented instruments for Dune. He's been running, doing a lot of media and press, uh, talking about his score for that movie. He could also win two awards this Oscars because he's also nominated for Best Original Song um, with No Time to Die because he collaborated with Billie Eilish and Phineas on that. So it um, could be a, a good day for for Mr. Zimmer. 
I hope so. He's so cool. I have a Coda thought, but I'll save it until later. Okay. Um, my biggest hope, honestly, is that Summer of Soul, um, Questlove's documentary about the um, 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival. I hope that wins best documentary. It should. It, I think I'm pretty sure it's favored on on the odds and whatnot. But um, just really cool use of archival, amazing footage. It's just awesome to watch. So uh, if you haven't checked that out, it's on Hulu. Um, and it'd be really cool to see Questlove get on stage and give give a an acceptance speech. So, all right. What is one of your biggest? I mean, our biggest hope, and then on the other side, our biggest fear. What is something you're nervous about going into the uh, Oscars? Okay, this is not a diss to this man um however i i hope benedict cumberbatch doesn't win best actor for power of the dog that's not anything against his performance i thought he was great he was very haunting and domineering in that movie however i want will smith to win for king richard this is his time it was a great performance i want to see will smith give a speech love it when movie stars get to give a speech on the oscars so um it's i feel like the general public just wants to see it and uh, there's a pushback on Power of the Dog in general that I feel like would only be greater if Benedict Cumberbatch beats Will Smith. Yeah. So that's in my list of biggest yeah. fears also. <laughs> Again, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I thought that performance was great. He's going to win another time in his life. Like, I would love to see this one go to Will Smith and we can give Benny something else later on. Yeah, and I think it's also, like, this isn't going to be Benedict Cumberbatch's best performance. Yeah. Um, he does like to do a specific kind of performance, but I feel like there's something um, that will unlock a better piece of him. That Power of the Dog probably shaded a little bit as well, but I just don't want to see another British guy win instead of Will Smith. So uh, what about you? What is What, what are your uh, biggest fears? So I have that one. Um, it's hard to say because I haven't seen it yet, but I, and I have more about this later, but... I think Belfast winning Best Picture would just be like classic, like mid 2000s Oscars. Like, of course, the one that is like made to win wins. It would just be kind of boring. Um, I haven't I seen it. That. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's incredible. But and it, I'm sure it is like I've heard really good things about it. But I think there's a lot more like diverse not only in the way of like um the people and the type of movie makers but just like diverse storytelling instead of like guy tells the tale of his life yeah i have seen this movie and i support this take and this fear (laughs) and i generally my most concise thought about it is it's roma without the seasoning take that as you will yikes and then uh, my last fear which i will talk more about for sure is that don't look up wins any oscar at all <laughs> i i have a lot of thoughts that don't look up <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear them wow um, <laughs> we like to be cautiously optimistic as well um and, you know especially with the something as fraught as the oscars we like to have uh things we wish for like wishful thinking um so do you have anything that falls under that Yeah, so the Oscars is back to having a host uh, this year and after a couple of years off. And it actually has three hosts. It's Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall. All individually, I generally like those people. Amy Schumer's humor is not for me, but I get why people like her. Um, Wanda Sykes is a legend in stand-up comedy. And Regina Hall is someone I find really um, fascinating to watch. But 
when I like think about like making movies exciting in 2022, none of these names come to mind. It's such a miss to not have Zendaya and Tom Holland hosting the Oscars. I know they're like, quote unquote, like kids or whatever, like young adults or young actors. And they're in this like Marvel movie. But like that movie, more people watch that movie than like any other movie this year. They're engaging. They're both performers. They're both like stage people. They have clearly extremely good chemistry. You can even do a Timothy Chalamet cameo like that could be fun. Um I just don't understand why like it's to me it's like the most obvious thing to get people to watch the Oscars because even the people who like maybe watched one or two of these movies but really loved Spider-Man or they love those three actors would tune in to watch just like Zendaya and Tom Holland play off of each other and like isn't the point to get people to watch the Oscars so I'm really not sure what (laughs) is going on but um to go from no host to like three hosts to me that don't make sense is just really confusing yeah that's totally fair i will say as when we think of people being charming in like interviews or in other content that translating over to like reading off a teleprompter so rarely works that every single time no matter who's hosting basically i'm like oh that's right reading off a teleprompter is fucking hard to come off natural and so often um, unless they're you know a late night host they don't come off natural and it kind of comes off as weird and maybe nobody else really cares about that part but like it is something that stands out to me this is an interesting trio of hosts i don't know what the thinking was behind it um but you know maybe we'll see maybe it'll be better than we think like do young people know who these three people are do young people watch the oscars No, but, like, that's the point. Like, if we're trying to get... Or just TV in general. If we're trying to get, like, a new era of people to watch the Oscars, why aren't we having people from their era who are also big movie stars, like, help bring that in? And I'm not saying you need, like, Addison Rae to, like, host the Oscars. Like, I don't (laughs) think that would make any sense. And not to, like, generalize Gen Z as, like, TikTok stars. That's not fair to them. But people that, like are in blockbuster movies that are also speak to a younger audience, I think just is so obvious. And maybe they offered and they said no. Like, I have no idea. Like, obviously, I'm not involved in the process. Um, Another good one, not a... um, You talked about a late night host. This is not a late night host that I watch a lot of, but it is Conan O'Brien's last year on his show. And this could have been like a cool... Thing for him to like finish off his career doing no that's totally fair uh I, I feel like the thing is like as we know people our age and younger don't really watch tv in general other than like the super bowl and i know the academy awards is like one of the other big event things um and honestly if the oscars wants to capture a younger audience what they should do is just get a few youtube people who care about movies and have them do like a live stream watch along or something like that mm-hmm. um kind of similar to like the college football playoff there's always like six different broadcasts and I think uh, just embracing the niche corners of the audience and the internet might be a better strategy than like getting Jimmy Kimmel to do it again. But those points are all well taken. What are uh, what's something you wished for in the Oscars this year? I wish the Oscars picked a producer who liked the Oscars and movies um, this year's it's a different producer every year. This year's Will Packer last year. Obviously, Steven Soderbergh helped out and produced that show. Um, and 
if you haven't heard about the controversial decision to not include a bunch of categories on the broadcast um, to speed up the broadcast, uh, then bless your heart. I'm so happy you're not as online. Um, but this year they're not including some of the uh, quote unquote below the line categories such as um, the shorts, um, sound design or sound. Uh, our best original score is not going to be presented on the broadcast. They'll be presented before when a lot of people are still on the red carpet, which is unfortunate for those people. Uh, movies are a team effort if you ask anybody and those people deserve to have their shine um, just as brightly and honestly I just think uh, a good idea that I think Mark Harris tweeted about was the Oscars should just have a producer for like who does a five-year run um, oh yeah instead of just I, I think having that continuity and um, them understanding the show and having a second crack at it like you know, if Steven Soderbergh was producing again this year, I'm sure he would not leave Best Actor for last, um, as opposed to last year. I but, forgot about uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I just and even though we talk about like, oh, I you know want more people to watch the Oscars or whatever, I kind of get to the point where I'm like, just make the Oscars that the people who actually do watch the Oscars will like and will care about. That's the audience you know, and not that you have to have a five hour show that also talks about like best stunt or like, you know, adds other awards, but I'd be here for it because I love movies. Like I can't wait on March 27th to come home, order a pizza, order some wings, plant my ass on the couch and inhale the Oscars and like I, all the tweets afterward. I can't wait. I uh, don't have cable, but I have Brett Decker who does have cable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's totally right. I enjoyed Steven Soderbergh's, um, version of it last year i thought it was fun i thought it was i felt really personal i like the idea of like one person getting it for like a chunk of time and then moving on um because i imagine it's really hard to produce the oscars and maybe yeah. you learn from your mistakes i can't even imagine so uh it'll be interesting to see uh what happens yeah definitely um but either way we'll watch okay so moving on from that um we'll play a kind of producer in a way. If you could give one nominee the Oscar for whatever category they're nominated in, what would that be for you? I would give Ariana DeBose the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Mm -hmm. She is so fun in West Side Story. And it was such big shoes to fill in that role since it was so iconic the first time mm -hmm. around that... And for someone that not a lot of people outside of musical theater knew who she was, I think there was like a lot of pressure. And I think a lot of people assumed that she would kind of butcher it just because it's, again, such big shoes to fill. But she crushed it. I thought she did yeah. a really good job. Um, I mean, she's nominated for an Oscar, which is incredible. She's the only actor in that film to be nominated for an Oscar. And... Um, and I think about her performance a lot when I think about that movie. And mm -hmm. I thought the the best supporting actress category to me, aside from Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, which I also thought was a really good performance, it's kind of okay to me. It seems like a lot of pretty typical um, nomination. So I would love to see Ariana get it. I bet she would have like a wonderful speech. I imagine she's going to have like a very beautiful dress. Um, mm -hmm. she's going to, I assume she'll be like just overjoyed and she's been grinding in musical theater for a while and it would be really cool to see her win an Oscar. Yeah, she definitely is a standout performance. I remember watching it, um, for the first time and 
I can't remember the song, but it's it's right after Maria and Tony have sex after <laughs> Tony kills her brother. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Maria is trying to tell our, uh, Anita that she didn't do anything really wrong, essentially. And these tears just like flow out of Ariana DeBose's eyes, like really quick and really naturally in the middle of the song. And I was like, oh, my God, you're amazing at what you're doing. Yeah. Um, what is yours? If you could, you know, play God of sort and just give anyone an, an Oscar right away, what would it be? Yeah. So I'm very partial to screenplay, um, the screenplay awards. I always feel like it's the one where the movie I actually really enjoy, um, kind of gets the shine and gets the, uh, the win. If I could give a win to someone, it would be, um, best original screenplay to Eskil Voigt. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Probably not, but he wrote the worst person in the world. Um, which is a really fun screenplay. It, another example of if you feed a movie to me in parts, I will inhale it and really <laughs> enjoy it. And um, I thought that the script in that movie was um, really clever and deft with the things that it was trying to convey. So um, that would be my pick. Yeah, it really is a good screenplay. The dialogue seems really natural. It's super moving. Um, even the little details, I... I haven't talked a lot about it, but I really did like that movie. I've kind of mm -hmm. like given you the platform to go off <laughs> since it was your favorite movie, but I was also really um, moved by that film. And I think the screenplay was a big part of it. So it's a good pick. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so we do have some movies and actors and whatnots, directors that we wanted to see nominated that did get nominated, but... Not all of them. What's a movie or a person that you wish got nominated for which category? So I, there are so many picks for this that I'm like, I just want to shout out really. It's Snub Ooh. City this year. I know. Well, that and like, there were just, there's like, it was a good movie year, you know, like Red Rocket got shut out. It, that had a lot of great parts to it. Green Knight shut out. That had a lot of great parts to it. Last Duel. Uh, was another movie like French said, Dispatch got nominated. no nominations. Yeah, so you know, there's a lot, but um, two that I just wanted to point out: one, Steven Soderbergh for director, writer for existing. Uh, once again, Steven Soderbergh just like gave us a movie in the spring, and nobody talked about it. Um, no sudden move. I it's, just you know, talked about that movie the other day because I had remembered that it. I was like, that movie's also pretty solid. Yeah, that movie's awesome, and it kind of came. It almost should have came after Succession, I feel like, yeah, um, because then he could have gotten the Kieran Culkin thing and rode that wave. But again, Soderbergh just like drops a movie, Kimmy, that he dropped this year, um, just a fun thriller. The guy just is productive as hell. Um, so I feel like even though he's already won um, his Oscars, uh, I feel like he should continue to win Oscars. And then the other one was another West Side Story performance that I thought stood out was Mike Faced for his role as Riff in West Side Story. I thought his rendition of Riff was like really the driving force and like inertia of the movie. I thought he was awesome. I love that he got to do the uh, Crazy Boy song. Yeah, he's really good. Riff is a really important role. I think that uh, if you get Riff wrong, a lot of the movie falls apart. Yeah. Um, so I think that... He sort of also came out of nowhere and was just really good. Yeah, good call. How about you? What, what was the person that didn't get nominated um, that you would like to have gotten some recognition? So Come On, Come On was a movie that you and I both really liked. It is yes. pretty low key, 
but I don't really understand why. Uh, but it did end up being sort of a lower lower key movie this year as far as the, as far as the Academy goes. But Joaquin was incredible. I always remember. I talked about this in the 2021 movie review, but I love when Joaquin just like plays a guy. Like I forget that yeah. he can do that. Um, so that was really <laughs> a good performance. But I think the two performances I've thought a lot about since then have been Woody Norman, who is plays the child. Um, I would have loved to see him for Best Supporting Actor. And Gabby Hoffman, who plays the mom, would have been great mm-hmm. for Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress, however they want to divvy that up. Um, for a movie that is centralized on three characters and is so person to person and they got no nominations is just mind boggling to me. <laughs> Like all award season. Yeah. So, and there wasn't really a run. And I don't know if the A24 decided to put their eggs in different baskets or like what was going on. But um, it seems like a movie that should have had a better chance. But I would have loved to see either of those two actors uh, make it into the nominations. Yeah. I don't know if A24 decided to put their eggs in the Macbeth basket, which makes sense because that has Denzel and Francis McDormand. And um, one of the Coen brothers, I, I don't remember which one, but uh, the one that is married to Francis. <laughs> That's okay, all I that know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sorry to that man, but whatever. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand why. Uh, come on, come on! Didn't get more love. It's it's as sweet as Coda is. It's as cinematically black and white beautiful as Belfast is, if not more. Um, and it just kind of came and went. Um, but it's a movie that stuck with both of us. Shout out to Mike Mills. Continues to produce movies about. Uh, or continues to direct movies about how it takes a village to raise a child. So, And that child uh, should have been nominated. Um, for as much as we wallow in the snubs, uh, we also kind of enjoy when things we didn't like uh, don't get nominated when it seems like they really are trying to get nominated. So uh, what is the person or movie that could have been nominated because it's classic quote-unquote Oscars bullshit, but thank God that it didn't? It's Jared Leto in House of Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> my, that guy was going I cannot I can't even say my guy that guy was going for it 200% and to me he absolutely ruined the movie <laughs> <laughs> or alternatively he was the only one that understood the movie that Ridley Scott was going for no I think Gaga was the only one who understood she's like perfect like serious and camp and then you have like uh Adam Driver who's just like in a serious film and no one else is. And then Jared Leto, who's like in a camp performance and no one else is. And the movie felt really unbalanced. But like, how do you watch Jared Leto in that movie? And then be like, not be like, we have to recast him and start over. (laughs) This also goes to like my uh, uh, campaign of like, stop putting actors in fat suits and just hire fat actors I'm I'm fucking over it. I know that he was like really pushing, but I'm so glad he did not get nominated. (laughs) That's that's completely fair. I mean, who or what did you think could have gotten a nomination just based on classic Oscars? But like, thank goodness it did not. Aaron Sorkin. Okay. now let me let me preface this with I'm I mostly like Aaron Sorkin. Love West Wing. Um, Steve Jobs is one of my favorite movies of the 2010s, Social Network. I know he can do great stuff. However, the man hasn't made a legitimately great movie since he started directing. 
you know, Molly's game was fine. Trial of the Chicago 7, I thought, was pretty bad. Um, and then this year he had Being the Ricardos, which is classic Oscars bullshit because oh, I forgot that was biopic. <laughs> yeah, it's a biopic. It has Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem for both of whom for some reason got nominated, but about a classic uh, Hollywood star in Lucille Ball. And it was such a insane take on the story and insane take on this icon that I was fearful that it would get more attention and i'm glad that it didn't um i'm glad he didn't get nominated for best director i'm glad that the screenplay didn't get recognized because it's just i just don't think it was deserving and it would have just only earned those nominations strictly because of the prestige of the names um aaron sorkin please let someone else direct you i'm begging yeah absolutely it is um really confusing (laughs) um the nominations for this movie so Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, J.K. Simmons, all nominated for that movie. All performances I thought were fine. I actually think Nicole Kidman was good as a person in an Aaron Sorkin movie, but she wasn't Lucille Ball. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. She gave a good performance, but it wasn't the performance for the movie that I would hope for about Lucille Ball. So what I think is like crazy, thank God Aaron Sorkin did not get nominated for this movie. It's bonkers how many nominations it got, especially since all of the nominations are for acting. So Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, J.K. Simmons, all nominated. And yet Nina Arianda, who plays Vivian Vance, who to me was like the standout performance, not Mm -hmm. a mention. It's crazy. Yeah, that's why I thought it was just going to be a classic like prestige bs type thing i don't know why i'm saying bs sometimes and bullshit other times but um because it nominated the movie stars in these flashy roles and so i was like oh no if the screenplay gets a nomination and it gets uh nominated for best director and best movie like we might be cooking with some dangerous oil but um we avoided all those things and so i said thank god thank god you can walk and talk into the next oscars race okay so after we've finished dancing on those uh Awards grapes, I guess. <laughs> Let's, Bye. We, yeah. We uh, reached out and uh, asked some of our friends, listeners, just people in our lives for their Oscars takes um, and to give those some shine. And then we'll let that kind of uh, guide us in our discussion about the different categories and the award show as a whole. Um, so shout out to the people that responded to us and we appreciate you. Um, for letting us bug you about an award show that you may or not may not be actually watching. Um, but first, we'll start with Bo. Shout out to Bo. Shout out to Bo. And Bo says, my only take is that I want Will Smith to win Best Actor, and I haven't even seen the movie. He deserves to have that accolade just because of the I Am Legend performance, <laughs> which is <laughs> that, an incredible take. That's like such a Bo take. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> which, so and funny. It's funny because King Richard is also a movie that I know um, Bo would love. But yeah. let's take this opportunity to discuss the best actor race. Um, so the nominees in this category are uh, Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith for King Richard, and Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Everything's really pointing to King Richard here, right? I hope so, and man. And Will Smith. Um, I thought Will Smith was... Uh, really immersive in the role. He he wasn't just like he uses his Will Smith, you know, comedic timing and general charm, but he also really embodies uh, 
Richard Williams in a way that was like it just really drove the movie and kind of conveyed all the um, emotions in the story that it was trying to tell. I think uh, there's obviously other good performances uh, in this category. I thought Denzel Washington was great because he always is. Um, I'm glad Andrew Garfield got nominated for Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, I was so impressed. Yeah, exactly. And I I, um, respect what Benedict Cumberbatch did in Power of the Dog. But yeah, I really hope we see Will Smith win here. I understand that some people are over giving actors playing real people the like the award just because we know we can compare the notes and be like wow he did a really good job playing that guy i already know right three of the five nominations are those performances yes and i and i totally get that but and i'm usually team like do original but (laughs) will smith (laughs) coming back as like a movie star we just like i we can't let this opportunity pass um, but you're right. It's getting um, it's getting good traction. He was nominated and did win for the BAFTA. Um, you know, and the SAG and the SAG. Benedict Cumberbatch was also nominated for the BAFTA um, and didn't win. There's not a lot of overlap besides those two, um, and it's not necessarily like a one to one of if they're going to win this, then they're obviously going to win this. But um, it is like a it's good steam. It's good traction, yeah. things like that. There is no Golden Globe this year, which usually can set a little bit of a precedent or at least like get people's attention as to what might win. Um, so we don't really have that to compare it to. I think the SAG and the BAFTA has been what people are most paying attention to in comparison. So him winning both of those awards does speak well, and I really hope it comes through. Yeah, it's basically just the general cautious optimism and cautious fear that I had around Brad Pitt. Um, a couple years ago when he was nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Remember just wanted when he it won? To happen. That was great. So that whole good. Oscars was great. That was the Parasite Oscars, right? Yep. Yeah, that was a great, that was a good Oscars. That was the year I couldn't watch the Oscars and you were like live texting me all these updates. I was oh, in Telluride yeah. and we couldn't get it on the TV in this like fancy house we were staying at. We went out to dinner and they like couldn't find it on the TV there, which I don't know why. It's on basic cable. And so you were like texting me constantly and you like texted me that Parasite had won and I screamed so loud in the middle of this like public space. And I was like, this is the best. Oh man. That was the last great moment in humanity. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I think we we're both in agreement there. Bo, good take. Bo, watch King Richard. You'll love it. It's a yeah. great sports movie. Amanda, why don't you uh, take the head on the next one? Our friend Alex is a big movie guy and reached out to us saying, my only huge hot take is that I think Mitchell's vs. the Machines was better than Encanto. I really like how much they broke the fourth wall and just played with the medium and it never came across as cringe. So this is a movie that you have been kind of fighting for since like the beginning of last year. You really liked this film. I still haven't seen it, which is a total me mistake. But tell me about Mitchell's vs. the Machines and if you think... Alex might be right. So Mitchell's the Machines, uh, produced by Lord and Miller of um, Spider-Verse and um, Lego Movie fame. I think this is a good take. I, I enjoyed Encanto, but I thought Mitchell's versus the Machines was a really like smart, knowing family road comedy um, that really played well. It's, it's, it's a movie that's aware um, and in love with the internet, but not in a way that's like over the top and eye rolling. And it's also a movie that 
uh, has an unabashed love for filmmaking of all levels. Um, the other nominees in the animated feature film category is Encanto, Flea, Luca, Mitchells versus the Machines, and Ryan the Last Dragon. Um, now, I do think Mitchells versus the Machines is better than Encanto. I'm not sure if, if it'll beat Flea for this award. Um, Flea's kind of interesting. It's a movie that you really love, like you said earlier. But Mitchells versus the Machines, it's very funny. It might be a lot to some people, but um, if you've liked other stuff produced by Lord and Miller, I think you will um, enjoy this film as well. It's on Netflix. It's just there for you. Ryan the Last Dragon is a movie I haven't seen, but people I really trust really loved it. Our friend Maya really loved it. Uh, I know the animation style has been really interesting to people. Luca was a movie that I really had high hopes for and I thought was just all right. I really love Flea, but I don't think it's going to be nominated here. I or I don't think it's going to win here. I think Encanto is such a powerhouse that it's going to be really hard to beat. I think a lot of these people in the Academy have seen Encanto 10,000 times because of all of their children. They've listened to the songs. I just think it's going to be extremely hard for Encanto to not win. It did win the the BAFTA. Um, seems to me like a, a given, but I hope... I hope I'm surprised. Yeah, it's pretty wide open. I would be surprised if Ryan and the Last Dragon and Luca win, like you said. I thought Ryan and the Last Dragon was like some of the best animated action Disney has done in a while, but as a movie, I thought it was just okay. Luca, really sweet film, which we will see. I do think Mitchell's versus the Machines is the most slept on movie in this category. So uh, great take, Alex. Yeah, great take by Alex. So speaking of our uh, counterpart, Maya, um, yes. her biggest take is that she, and we'll definitely talk about this again, but she is not over the Denis Villeneuve snub for best director for Dune. Take the floor, Zach, go for it. Okay. So I'll give my rant and then also, uh, qualify it because I can't help myself. But, um, Denis Villeneuve loves Dune, the, the entity, and mm-hmm. it was his dream to direct Dune. And then doing so requires a lot of choices like any director in a movie has to make however we've seen dune go wrong in a dramatic fashion many times by other good director yes exactly it's a really hard novel to adapt it's a weird fucking book and yet the vision that we get of dune and like the choices that were made in the movie are so precisely and like inherently denis villeneuve that it's kind of crazy he didn't get nominated and yeah. I'm looking at the director uh, nominees and uh, it's kind of brand off for Belfast, Hamaguchi, drive my car, PTA, licorice pizza, Jane Campion, power of the dog and Steven Spielberg, West side story. I don't know which one you'd really take out. I would probably pick Belfast and Kenneth Branagh. Sorry, my guy. I do have hope that when Dune part two does come out or that part of the story is a lot flashier and has a lot more to do. And if that's successful, it might be one of those things where like, when the return of the king won everything not that dune part two is going to do that but um i think dune will rake in more nominations and awards in that sense i agree i think uh it's a possibility that the academy is waiting for part two to give him his award um i like denis villeneuve in general i thought I had no relationship to the IP. I like made a very strict decision to not involve myself so that I could watch Dune totally fresh eyes. And I was 
really blown away. So it's hard to do that without a good director. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of parts in that movie that really played well for me, but obviously directing is, you know, you're steering the ship. Uh, moving on to our next one, our friend Izzy. Uh, she, had, she had some takes. She, she had some thoughts. So our friend Izzy had some thoughts on the best actress race. Uh, she felt that uh, Lana Heim and Lady Gaga were both not taken very seriously this year because they were both seen as singers and musicians first and actors second. Uh, she caveated with Gaga was seen seriously in A Star is Born because she's playing a singer. So it was easier for the Academy to like see her as an actor because she's kind of playing a similar role that she already is in their head. Um, and that Alana and Gaga, but specifically Alana, like wasn't really given a chance to um, be nominated because of this like preconceived notion that she's not an actress. Um, and she also mentioned Alana has been nominated for this award. She won for this position at the SAG Award. She did not win at the BAFTAs. Um, so it's not like she doesn't deserve it. It's not like everyone across the board agreed that Alana Heim was not good in this movie. It's just that maybe the Academy wasn't taking them as seriously. Could also describe the Lady Gaga snub that a lot of people were surprised about. Um, again, I think that she was the only one who really understood what really Scott was doing in that movie. Um, so what do you think about that? Yeah, so I think um, the point's well taken. I do think it was a weird choice to not nominate Alana Heim. Um, I don't know if it's because in Licorice Pizza, it's such like a naturalistic movie and like PTA has a very particular cadence and sense of humor um, that I thought a lot of time really nailed down. But I think uh, as far as Lady Gaga goes, I almost think people were just annoyed with her campaigning. That's fair. She like wanted it like a little too much. She, she and this is the same thing that happened in A Star is Born, um, but she goes, she runs really hard, really early. And um, for a movie that is most times completely ridiculous as Hasaguchi is. Um, I, I felt like the voting bodies were probably like, we don't want to award any acting that was happening in this movie. And maybe it's Jared Leto's fault. Um, probably. But um, the rest of the category, just really quickly, um, that were nominated for actress in a leading role was Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. I think you can take out Nicole Kidman. I think you can take out, honestly, Olivia Coleman, which is I know, Lost which Daughter. Is heartbreaking, but it I is, agree. But, but I think, and it's that Lost Daughter is a really good movie. It's a very sticky movie, and what Olivia Coleman is doing in that movie is interesting. But I don't think it's as or any more interesting, more or less interesting as what Alana Heim is doing in Licorice Pizza. I actually do don't mind the Jessica Chastain nomination. Um, the Eyes of Tammy Faye is fine, but she is um, really immersive in that movie. And I do think you could lose Nicole Kidman for as much as I thought that Nicole Kidman was good in what she was asked to do. Um, but what do you think about what Izzy had to say? I, I agree that I think the Academy does have some preconceived notions of uh, of singers and musicians trying to become actors. Um, and it'll be interesting to see moving forward those two having a career. But I think that something that really helped Alana is that her and PTA have worked together for many yeah. years. 
Paul Thomas Anderson has famously produced a lot of high music videos. They're really fun. They're really artistic music videos. If you ever want to just like sit and basically watch a bunch of PTA short films uh, with some really good tunes, that's more or less what it feels like. I think Kristen Stewart and Spencer was the only thing I liked about Spencer, a movie that I really (laughs) was excited for. Um, I think she did a really good job of becoming um, Princess Diana in like kind of an odd movie. I think that the most interesting thing to me about the actress in a leading role is that we haven't really seen anything like Renee Zellweger in Judy, where everyone decided like day one, for whatever reason, I don't really know. The movie was good and the role was fine, but like everyone decided that Renee Zellweger had won the Oscar and then she just won the Oscar. And like no one else had a chance. And I feel like everyone decided that Kristen Stewart won the Oscar and like now there's a lot of questions. Yeah. She had an early campaign, right? With uh, like she was showing up at a lot of the movie festivals and like I think she was at TIFF. Um, she was just out and about. She was doing profiles. She's been in the media and the public a lot more than she has been in maybe the last five, ten years or so. I was going to say my point about that is that by the time we got to the nominations, it didn't feel like Kristen Stewart was a lock to win. So it felt like there was room for Alana Haim and or yeah. Lady Gaga to join this race. And I don't really know why neither they of didn't. them got a nomination. <laughs> <laughs> Alana's so good in that role. She's really fun. Also, we just got the Heim sisters in that film, and that was great. For uh, the award for best supporting family is the Heim family. (laughs) So our friends at the Ultimate Film Club, uh, Joe Benavides and uh, Jose Youngs, they did a a preview pod. Um, Joe brought Jose on to that show. Go listen to that. They're fun. Um, But the general thoughts were um, for Jose, he's really uh, into Green Knight and uh, thought it should have got some more love. And then that he was also pleasantly surprised by uh, West Side Story. Jose is correct on both fronts. <laughs> he, he's a, he was a mark from West Side for West Side Story, a self-proclaimed one. But he was really happy with Ariana DeBose. And then Joe was really big on um, Renate Rensive for Worst Person in the World, um, which she got some Best Actress love. And then he uh, his favorite movie of the year was Spencer, which I think we disagree with, but I can respect the opinion. Um, they have a whole Oscars preview pod, though. Um, you can get that on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. So uh, check that out. We don't have to go deep into those things, but I just want to throw those in there. For sure. Big supporters of Blind Spotters. We love Ultimate Film Club. Uh, after you finish this episode, go and listen to their episode. Yeah, don't, absolutely. Don't, st- don't stop. Don't quit yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> but no. We're uh, we're pro Ultimate Film Club, and they're pro Blind Spotters. So mad love to them. And then... Your friend Jen had a had a couple good takes. Why don't you uh, let us know what happened? Yeah, so Jen and Tuesday are two thirds of the uh, whiskey and popcorn podcast. Some of my Shout friends out. run. Uh, great ladies over there. Definitely give their podcast a listen. But she wrote, "I think that Coda might surprise everyone and take the Best Picture award. Definitely think that Troy will win Best Supporting Actor." So this has been the hot streak. Which has been so exciting for me because my favorite movie of the year is never an option. (laughs) And I'm (laughs) so amped that I am doing good. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I get it. I get it. I never do this good. (laughs) Um, One of our favorite podcasters and writers, Joanna Robinson, has also been driving this CODA train um, and kind of noting how the 
the run that Coda is on is kind of similar to what was happening with Parasite a couple of years ago. Not that those movies are comparable or um, the same or whatever, but uh, just in terms of like the cast and crew being kind of the bells of the ball um, every time they show up to an award show. I think Tony Kotzer is almost a shoe in for Best Supporting Actor at this point. I hope um, so, man. Which is which is kind of cra- crazy in terms of where we started and where we've ended up. I Okay, can I kind of concern troll really quick about yes, Coda? that's fine. I think the worst thing that could happen to Coda is it win Best Picture. Okay, why? There's going to be a few different like sectors of pushback. One will be um, people will go to this movie and expect it to be like Oscar prestige or like uh, a certain kind of it because Coda is like a super sweet, um, grounded family drama, and you have some laughs, you'll shed some tears. And for some people, that is all you want in a movie, and it's like it delivers on that. But for some people, it, it kind of comes not shallow, but like they want a little bit more there, there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'll be judged like that. Like, I think people look more harshly at films like The Artist or The King's Speech because they won. Um, and if they had never won, then they would just be like, oh, good for that movie. It got nominated and um, it is a movie that I like. And I feel like Coda might become that. To me, the positive side of that is that I think not a lot of people who aren't big film buffs have seen Coda. And I think just showing a movie that takes uh, like a, div- a diverse story that isn't like shoehorned in as like, capital D diversity like in your face and just takes it as like this is a family I think more people watching a movie like that can't be a bad thing (laughs) but I do understand I do understand your point for sure I just want more people to watch Coda is my thing yeah no totally and like more people will watch like the Oscars bump is real and I think it'll still um get a lot of love whether it wins or not like I think Troy Kotzer getting the um best supporting actor will shine that light on it and I won't be mad if Coda wins, obviously. I'll just be concerned for it. Like, I just don't want people to be like, oh, that was the Coda year, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, or the Coda thing happened. And maybe, like, this will be a really wonderful Oscars moment, but um, I, I would rather see a few other movies win over Coda, but I'm happy that Coda is getting the attention that it's getting. So I agree. Like, even if Coda doesn't end up winning, um, I'll be bummed, but I'll still be so excited that it made this. Like, I made it this far. I never thought in a million years it would, like, do this much. And uh, it's been really exciting. Um, Another thing that Jen wanted to mention, so Jen does work in musical theater. She said that is sort of the movie that she's rooting for the most in regards to Coda. But in general, she's really rooting for Lin-Manuel Miranda. I understand. He's done a lot. He's involved in both Encanto and Tick, Tick, Boom. I think it's kind of genius that people have started to compare him as far as like his involvement with Disney and Pixar to Phil Collins where like there's going to be a generation of kids who all of their favorite nostalgic like Disney songs are all written by the same guy but even though I love Lin-Manuel Miranda and I love musical theater and I love a lot of stuff he's doing are we at Lin-Manuel Miranda burnout we've been at Lin-Manuel Miranda burnout like we were at burnout as soon as Hamilton got nominated for the best rap album of the year at the Grammys, or the um, best when it when it won an Emmy <laughs> for not being a TV show. <laughs> and, and and like the, that's not inherently Lin Manuel Miranda's fault. It's just the fanfare around him. And this happens with anything that's going to be as popular as like Hamilton. Um, and you know he he gets on TV. He's very earnest, and he is yeah. 
he is just a theater kid that has made it big. He hasn't done anything wrong. I think these people are kind of tired of him because there was a lot of Lin-Manuel Miranda exposure. Um, All at the same time. <laughs> obviously, he's great at uh, writing songs. I'm still so confused and mad that they just didn't have him write the songs for Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, um, I agree. I understand when people are annoyed or uh, over Lin-Manuel Miranda, but also he's like really fucking talented and a really great songwriter. And it's really uh, helped break out a lot of talented people who are littering award races the last few years too. So um, I, I'm still on the pro side for, for Lynn. Do you think that this experience that people are having with his work right now, as far as being like, okay, we get it is going to affect the tick, tick boom or Encanto nominations at all? No, I don't think so. I think Encanto is just its own sensation and tick, tick boom wasn't heavily nominated or anything like that. But I think it was a movie that people were ple- pleasantly surprised by. Um, I know a lot of people who are tapped into the theater world. That was kind of like their Avengers Endgame, given how many people showed up in that movie. And Andrew Garfield, I think, being the movie star of that film, uh, carried the weight of it. And I, I thought he was super deserving of that nomination. What about you? Yeah, I think it'll... I was really surprised. I thought this was going to be like a totally under the radar just for the theater nerds like movie because it's like a play about a play about a playwright who wrote a different play that was very famous. (laughs) Like (laughs) I I was like, there's no way like general public is going to watch this. Like I texted my um, college roommate and I was like, I know this is like not your interest, but they did a good job. And she's like, oh yeah, I already saw it. Like it's like kind of you know, people are talking about it in the, yeah. in the city. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Um, so <laughs> this friend lives in Los Angeles. Yeah, so yeah. that would be the inherent city. Yes. That's the city. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think that Garfield has a chance to win the mm. award, but it's inc- like just mind blowing that he's nominated, uh, along with these other best actors. So I think that in itself is a huge win um, for him and for Lynn in general. And we'll we'll see what the Encanto turnout is, but I think it's pretty I think it's pretty positive. So Tuesday's last three uh, takes all have to do with the best picture nominations. So this is where we can get into this part of the discussion. Um, she thinks that Power of the Dog is overrated. This is an extremely Tuesday take. She holds back <laughs> never, which I think is great. Um, she doesn't really have a, uh, a pro or con take on CODA, but she says that CODA is an example of why we need more diverse stories from all walks of life. I think that's been like a really big takeaway um, from CODA in general and something that I've really advocated for. And she thinks that Belfast is a cinematic masterpiece. I think a lot of people agree with her. I'll just I'll just say that like I think a lot of the academy agrees. So I, I gave Belfast a hard time, but I, I see where people might enjoy it, um, the story it's telling, um, and the performances are beautiful. I, I will give it that. It, was, it just wasn't for me, um, but I can respect that opinion as well. The power of the dog overrated thing. I get it because it is a slow movie. Its plot is like backloaded, um, and it's. Uh, just it takes itself very seriously mm-hmm. however overrated doesn't inherently mean bad i i think I, um saying it's one of your top 10 favorite movies um i think power of the dog uh deserves to be in there but i i can also see like the pushback to it like um just like how last year i could see the pushback on like nomadland 
being boring or um, being quote unquote overrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's also the uh, the rub of Oscar season is like these certain movies get prestigious push and then someone comes to them and they're like, I don't get it overrated. Um, but I, I also know Tuesday is like a big lover of movies and is watching a lot too. So um, she is completely fair in her take. No, I think a lot of people, again, like similar to a lot of people thinking that Belfast is a cinematic masterpiece. I think there's a good portion of people that think Power of the Dog is slow and boring and had nothing to say and has like one exciting scene. And I've seen this take a lot. Like I've seen a lot Mm -hmm. of people being like, I don't know what people are talking about with Power of the Dog. I cannot get through it. I've tried six times. Like I have is her take on this is not totally blasphemous as far as the yeah. only time I've ever seen it. So, it, and it doesn't help that power of the dog got like, what, like 12 nominations or something. So crazy. many nominations. It's been, it's been dominating, um, award shows. So it, inherently people are coming like, all right, like show me what you got. Yeah. Um, which is why I have that slight fear with Coda. Um, if it does win best picture. Um, yeah. And so I thought that story is beautiful and I, I agree with, uh, with Tuesday's take. Shout out to Whiskey and Popcorn. Shout out to Whiskey and Popcorn. They're doing a lot of great movie reviews. They're about to start um, the Phoenix Film Festival starting up again. So they'll have a whole slate of stuff on there. Definitely check them out. Find them on Instagram. They've always got something going on. Um, I think if Coda does win, it will be justice for um, choir directors everywhere. That is representation we haven't seen fairly portrayed. So that'll be really exciting for me as well. Amanda, noted choir kid. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's kind of take that and uh, bring it to our general thoughts of the best picture race. Um, we've talked about a lot of these movies and a lot of um, just the general award season. But um, do you have any other big picture thoughts on the best picture discussion? Yes. <laughs> this is why we have a podcast. <laughs> I think that. There isn't a guaranteed winner this year, and that's really exciting. Like, I think The Power of the Dog, Belfast, and Coda all have an even chance of winning. Like, three front runners is something I haven't experienced in the last couple of years, and it's really exciting. Um, I think it'll be generally interesting that it's not a guarantee winner. The last few years have been interesting. Obviously, last year with Nomadland, it seemed touted so early, and that... Um, because it was the first COVID year, the award season was dragged out and those movies were particularly hard to see. So it felt a little weird and, and whatnot. But the year before that was Parasite, um, which was a surprise, but like also a happy one because, um, a lot of people believe that that was one of the best movies of that year and of the decade. Um, we, we talked about Moonlight or we will talk about Moonlight, I guess, um, Mm -hmm. on our April episode. And that was a film that a lot of people were surprised in a, in a good way about. So um, the thing that kind of stood out to me is I wonder if we'll keep getting these kind of odd years that we've had in the last couple of years where um, the big awards movies are really released on streaming um, in a wide variety. Of course, that's because of the pandemic and it's really hard to go see movie theaters or go see movies in movie theaters um, and feel safe about it. So and those kind of outlier things have pushed this streaming thing uh, ahead really quickly but uh, i mean power of the dog came out on netflix dune was a day and date release on hbo max um, coda is only on apple tv plus king richard another day and date release 
um, and Don't Look Up was a Netflix film. And a lot of these movies I didn't even get to go see until it came out on streaming. It's a really interesting balance because it is like, obviously we're very pro movie theater. I was lucky to see a lot of these films in the theater this year, but also like team, let people see your movie. So like if the answer is like drive my car plays in a hundred theaters in America and doesn't come to Phoenix or drive my car is put on HBO max. I'd rather it be on HBO max. Like I'd rather see it than it be in theaters limited. So yeah. it's a, it's a tough balance. I, you know, we're, we're both pro movie theater and pro let people see your movie. So it's 100%. A, it's an, it's an interesting thing. <laughs> um, we'll see what ends up happening, but um, this is when I have to talk about don't look up. Um, okay. I like Adam McKay. I know that's not a very popular prestige take. Um, I think he's sort of, he's very poppy, but I like his films. This movie is incoherent. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is not good. It's so long. It's like 40 minutes too long. Not like 10 minutes too long. It's so long. There are really incredible actors giving very odd and okay at best performances. Meryl Streep is in this movie and it's not that interesting. <laughs> it is like a lightly veiled but also pushed down your throat interpretation of climate change and it's I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, real quick question. Can I be vulnerable on our pod right now? <laughs> <laughs> It's the best Timothy Chalamet performance, but it is so confusing. <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't disagree. I, I liked Don't Look Up, um, but I am surprised that it got nominated for Best Picture. Like Best Picture. Best Picture. That's that's crazy. <laughs> Especially when like we were saying, we wish Come On, Come On got more love. From the Academy perspective, and I know the Academy has done a lot to like diversify and, and grow their voting body. But um, Adam McKay is loved by the Academy. It has Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep, Jennifer Lawrence, who I know is your favorite actor. Um, I don't think this is that great of a movie. Um, and I, I, I agree. I think that the Adam McKay, like, I know every fun celebrity you want to see thing is a really fun part of his movies. I think they're really poppy. I think he has a lot to say. I think he takes, like a current issue and like tries to help you understand it by like making a fun film. Adam McKay and Guillermo del Toro just get like they're they are anointed by the Academy. Part of me wishes uh, Red Rocket got some love in this category strictly because that would be the example of like this is what you think licorice pizza is (laughs) is Red Rocket. Yeah. Um, But that's neither here nor there. I agree about the don't look up thing. And like Um, not that I thought that House of Gucci was a terribly cohesive film either i've already discussed that but like house of gucci could have been there the last Last duel could have been there uh tragedy of Macbeth could have been there ridley scott gave us two very solid movies and the academy just said no no thanks we could have got pig i'm just kidding if we're going for a movie with a bunch of famous people and this is not a movie I thought was as good as I wanted it to be, but the French Dispatch in there. If you get yeah. a movie that's not going to win anyway, just like put a better movie in that option. <laughs> come on, come on. Like we said, could have definitely been in there. Um, I mean, The Lost Daughter. 
the lost daughter could have been in there. The worst person in the world could have been in there. <laughs> tick, tick, boom yeah. could have been in there. I'm happy Drive My Car got in there. Like, I'm so happy Drive My Car got in there. That is so exciting. Every year this is going to be a thing. Um, and every year the Academy misses. Um, and we just hope that they hit more than they miss. But uh, we can go so long on movies we wish got more love by the voting body. But instead, um, it's just left up to uh, podcasters like us to uh, <laughs> hope that we can convince you guys to watch these movies that don't get as much love on award shows. It's bonkers to me. Um, so in this case, let's go through our ballots. This is, for the record, the movie, the order that we want, not the order we think will win. Yeah. And... Also, you can look into Oscars voting like for best picture. It's this preferential ballot thing. So like each position you rank it at like has a certain amount of like points or whatever. It's super confusing. And I think there's other people online that have explained it more coherently. Um, but uh, that is why some movies that are a lot of people's like third favorite of the year might win. Mm -hmm. All right, Zach, go through your top 10. All right. My top 10 from 10 to 1. I have. Don't Look Up at 10, Belfast at 9, number 8 is Nightmare Alley, number 7, King Richard, number 6, West Side Story, number 5, Coda, number 4, Drive My Car, number 3, Dune, number 2, The Power of the Dog, and number 1, Cue the David Bowie, Licorice Pizza. What about you? Nice. Uh, number 10 is Don't Look Up. Above that is two films I have not even seen is Belfast and Drive My Car. They're all, for the record, they're only that low because I haven't seen them. Once I see them, I'm sure they'll move around. I guarantee you there are Oscar voters who have done the same thing that you just did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure the Oscar voters watched six out of the 10 films. But and unfortunately, one of them is probably Don't Look Up, which is why it's fucking <laughs> nominated because no one would nominate it otherwise. It's so ridiculous. Or they're like, wow, this has a lot of actors in it. Guess guess we'll just put this in here and never see it. Okay, I'm done. Don't look up. Two movies I haven't seen. Um, uh, seven, Nightmare Alley. Six, with the heaviest heart possible. I have to put Licorice Pizza. I just liked other movies more this year. That's okay. Um, you don't have to apologize for what you like. No, for sure. I just really, I liked this movie a lot. And I think in any other year, because I did like a lot of movies this year, I think that this would have had a higher ranking in mm -hmm. a different movie year for me, um, which is why it hurts my heart. Um, five, King Richard. Four, Power of the Dog. Three, Dune. Two, West Side Story. And one, Coda. Those are my films. There you go. If you think we're wrong, reply to us. Fuck um. off. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go through a couple of just um, guesses. There are some... Uh, more technical categories that I would like your opinion on. Um, for cinematography, we have Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Do you have a Do you have an opinion or a thought on who might win that section? That's a tough one. I feel like it's probably going to be Ari Wagner um, for Power of the Dog, um, but I do hope it's Dune just because I hope Dune sweeps the technical categories. The West Side Story and the work they did in that movie, the camera's really dynamic and adds to the musicality of the musical. And The Tragedy of Macbeth plainly is one of the like most stunning visual movies um, I saw this year. But I am leaning Dune because it's me. What about you? I think this is where they're going to award West Side Story. And unfortunately, mm. maybe nowhere else except potentially... 
Ariana DeVos. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the movie as a whole, I think this is where it's going to get its win, um, which I'm fine with. But I would also have liked to see Dune. I think if Power of the Dog wins here, uh, it start feeling like a lock for Best Picture. Yeah. Like if, if Power of the Dog starts to rack up all these below the line awards, um, I think it's pretty telling. Yeah. Um, for directing, we did talk about it a little bit, but we didn't make any um, solid predictions. So we do have um, Branagh, Hamaguchi, PTA, Campion, and Steven Spielberg. Do you have any uh, thoughts on who will win or who you want to win? It seems pretty clear that it's going to be Jane Campion. Um, she's made a lot of great movies in, in the last couple of decades. The Piano. I, li- I like Bright Star. I re- watched that movie recently. Um, and she's been awarded that uh, Best Director Award this year at many award shows. Uh, I think if she does win at the Academy Awards, she will make a better speech than she made at the BAFTAs. Um, <laughs> or was that the SAGs? Yeah, I don't remember. I think it was the One SAG. Of- just don't come after the Williams sisters and you'll be fine. But no, Jane Campion, it'll be awesome to see another woman win for uh, directing um, in a category inherently dominated by men and white men. Um, so I think that will be what happens. There's a couple of films in international feature film that are in other sections that we've talked about and that we've liked. Um, I don't believe that either of us have seen the... Um, Bhutan or the Italy movie, um, but Flea from Denmark, Drive My Car from Japan, and Worst Person in the World from Norway are all in this. Do you think this is where they're going to give Drive My Car because they won't give it Best Picture, or do you think they're going to give Flea or Worst Person the the credits here? I feel like it'll be Drive My Car. I mean, um, it because it's nominated for Best Picture, it seems pretty like a pretty much like a shoe in for best international feature mm-hmm. um i have seen the hand of god weird movie oh. um i only saw it or i saw it because it was sold as like um diego maradona having some sort of presence in the movie um one of the greatest soccer players of all time um and so i watched it it's a it's it's interesting and i'll say it i'll leave it at that because i think people should just watch international movies and uh absolutely it's a it's a, it's a fun story um and also beautiful for adapted screenplay, we have um, Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. Um, I would love it. There's no way in hell, but I would love for Maggie Gyllenhaal to get her re- her writing credits here. I think The Lost Daughter is really well written, um, but I don't think it has any. Ch- <laughs> I don't think it has any chance of winning, um, unfortunately. But do you have any thoughts on what might win for adapted screenplay? Again, I think it's going to be between like Drive My Car and Power of the Dog. Um, but I do. I would not be surprised whatsoever if this is where we get the Lost Daughter. I don't understand where the Maggie Gyllenhaal campaign kind of fell off. I thought she did something pretty um, notable and and. Um, interesting with her first feature um like a real talent behind the camera and on and on uh, on a screenplay so i don't know if like the taylor swift thing inhaled it on accident but <laughs> <laughs> uh swifty stop listening there's that bingo card um <laughs> but yeah I, I feel like this could be a drive my car overpower the dog um situation if they want to break up the awards but if the Academy really loves Power of the Dog, this would be one where it just gonna, is going to snap it up. And then I know where you stand on this, but just for conversation's sake, uh, original screenplay for writing is 
you know, that's where they joke. It's like the Cool Kids Club. Um, we've got Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and Worst Person in the World. I think it's going to be Worst Person in the World, but PTA might get his... This this might be where it is for him as far as this movie goes. I, uh, I do hope it's PTA, like you said, but... Um... I am just wondering because of the nature of the cycle that has gone that Lick Zah has gone through. Um, Stop! <laughs> it's Hunter Harris's fault. Um, I wonder if people are going to want to award that movie for reasons of like they haven't watched the movie. Actually, um, it'd be really awesome if the worst person in the world wins here, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it will that's just my inherent fear for everything that i like i don't know if it's gonna they're gonna accomplish the things that they want to um just look at my soccer fandom but i could see a belfast win here too yeah i could also see that i love the this you know the quote-unquote smaller categories the more technical ones i would love to see west side story for costume design that's such a big part of that musical in general and i thought they did a really good job of putting that on state or on camera um, this is also where Cruella and Cyrano both uh, have a nomination. Um, that's a thing. I think um, makeup and hairstyling, Eyes of Tammy Faye and House of Gucci, I think also have a really good shot. And both of those is they're very over the top and transformative yeah. sections. Um, you know, as again, as much as we're pro movie theater, I like that a lot of these movies you can watch tonight if you want to. Like yeah. you can just fire them all up. Um, if you are paying for these streaming sites, which is really exciting. I agree. I, I love being having access to movies. You know, I think that kind of wraps up our Oscars discussion as we wrap up, though. Um, lastly, uh, heading into, you know, the 2023 Oscars, is there anything that you hope gets into Oscars discussion or, or whatever? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of developments over the next year. Um, a lot of movies going to come out. So um, is there anything that you've kind of pinpointed as like, all right, like, I hope this this happens? Absolutely. There's a lot of movies that are coming out next year that I've been looking forward to for a while um, that I finally get to see. Roger Eggers, The Northman is a movie I'm really looking forward to. Um, The Don't Worry Darling movie looks really exciting. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon is a movie I'm just I'm willing to take at face value and it looks really fun Um, but two movies that I really can't wait to see and I hope have an extremely solid Oscars run are Nope which is going to be the new Jordan Peele movie and then a new movie from A24 that just recently came out or is about to come out um everything everywhere all at once it looks really fucking cool and i've heard really amazing things about it i think that the the way the academy has changed in the last few years and the types of movies it's willing to reward gives nope and everything everywhere all at once a real chance at a solid oscars run so those are the two that i'm like pinpointing for next year that's super fair. I'm super excited to watch everything everywhere all at once. I think it comes out like next week or something like that. Or, yeah, it's like right around this time. Or this week, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really excited for Michelle Yeoh to get her flowers, even though she hasn't not gotten her flowers, but yeah. she is the star of that film, so that'll be really cool. And I, Jordan Peele movies are an event. Um, we talked about that in our Get Out episode um, and how that kind of impacted us. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that is going to be a movie that – voters and just the general public are going to be highly anticipating. Um, I'm also optimistic about a Don't Worry Darling Oscars campaign, um, strictly so we get the 
Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde, Florence Pugh content. Just um, so many hot people. Who knows if that movie is going to be good, but um, I love a universe in which Harry Styles is at the Oscars. Harry Styles should host the Oscars if he doesn't get nominated. That would be great, too. And Florence Pugh is one of my favorite actors working right now and one of my favorite home chefs. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, I mean, who knows if this is actually going to get into any sort of Oscars discussion, but I also would love a universe in which Top Gun Maverick has a, a legit chance to win anything like, something <laughs> nominated for best picture nominated for best song maybe it'll be like a best it. sound nomination like something like that it'll probably get a lot of the the production type of things but just give it to me just let people watch top gun 2 <laughs> let these let these very fit men play volleyball in jeans for decades to come that's all we want i, I need to hear the the theme the dun, 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 with Tom Cruise on a motorcycle, like cinema. Top Gun Maverick injected into my veins. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it's always fun to do a bonus episode. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We hope that this helps you feel prepared for the Oscars. It is on Sunday, March 27th. Please watch the Oscars. Um, if you don't have cable, find a friend or find a local bar and make them turn off basketball so that you can watch the Oscars. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> At least on one TV. Or text a friend who will live text you the entire Oscars um, as it's happening. But you can always find a new episode of the Blind Spiders podcast on the second Tuesday of the month. We have a new pod coming out soon in April. So just a couple of weeks. Here's your uh, homework warning. It will be on Instagram. But on April 12th, we swapped some modern classics. Um, I watched Moonlight for the first time and Zach watched... Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, which is so exciting. Highly different energies, but I think the podcast came out really fun. Follow the podcast on Instagram at BlindSpottersPod, and you can follow us on Twitter at BlindSpotters. Share with a friend, let them know uh, so that they can also be informed about the Oscars. But Zach, in the meantime, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Zach Pocklev. I'll definitely be tweeting about the Oscars, so maybe mute me that night or something. Uh, so you can find me there on Twitter. And then, as always, you can find me on Letterboxd, um, where I'm firing off takes, watching lots of movies. And then I will be finalizing my uh, best of 2021 list on my Medium account and kind of just locking it in um, as I do every year with the Oscars. And Amanda, where can people find you? You can find me on all socials to send me any compliments at Amanda Luberto. We'd love to see you guys. Let us know what your uh, movie is this year, what you think might win, what you think was snubbed. Um, any Tell takes- Amanda why she's wrong about Don't Look Up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can send those at Zach Poklev. Um, I'll make Don't sure to re- I'll make sure to read them there. <laughs> We'd love to hear any of your takes. We hope that this prep do well for the Oscars. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Do we have to pay for that? <laughs> <laughs>